know it's sugar free Now tell me girl, how you like your tea? Up in here, we like it sugar free Come to stop by, get up with me With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy Ooh, right here with me It's where you wanna be Let's get it sugar free, yeah Now tell me girl Don't know how much more I can take mm. See, I decided that I cried my last year Yesterday mm. Now, I may be a heathen, y'all But I'm a heathen that enjoys some good gospel music every now and again It just is so uplifting and so joyful It just puts me in such a great headspace and that's exactly where I want us all to be today for the second half of this navigating real heartbreak conversation because today's conversation friends is not about breaking cycles of toxicity it's not about being sad it's not about being regretful uh-uh it's about grieving it's about growing and it's about glowing okay the glow up that's what we're all trying to get to as we navigate real heartbreak is we are trying to get healed so that we can glow up okay and so before we get into a recap I want to ask Daphne to go ahead and introduce herself one more time just in case you missed the first episode because I know even if you missed it you're gonna go back and listen later right okay but if you did miss it I want Miss Daphne to go ahead and reintroduce herself so if you could Daphne please tell the good people one more time who you are and what you do. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, So my name is Daphne McGee. I am an attorney for a nonprofit law firm um, in Texas, and I also own a life coaching business. And on the side, I blog about my experiences with marriage, divorce, um, emotional and spiritual abuse, and faith deconstruction and decolonization. Thank you so much, Daphne, and welcome once again to the Sugar Free Podcast. So today's episode is entitled Navigating Real Heartbreak Part 2, Grieving, Growing, and Glowing. Yes, like I mentioned in my introduction, friend, the glow up is so real. And so before we get into the second half of this conversation, I want to get us started with a little recap. So last episode was Navigating Real Heartbreak, Part 1, Breaking Cycles of Toxicity. And in that episode, we really broke down the relationship between Daphne and her ex, somewhat of a marriage autopsy, if you will, and also Daphne's relationship with the church and how she began to deconstruct her relationship with her faith and her religion, as well as her marriage. And I also threw some anecdotes in there about some horrible relationships that I've had and how I've managed to stay on the wheel of toxicity more than one time, (laughs) right? As we all have. And so we started there 
And we also started with a fantastic definition of heartbreak. So last episode, Daphne defined heartbreak as the point where your reality fails to meet your expectations. And that just was such a great point for us to start our conversation. And I think it's a really great point for us to pick back up that conversation. So where we left off at the end of last episode is Daphne was trying to tell us some of the steps that she started to take to unwind herself from the relationship. And so now we're going to continue that conversation and talk about the emotional extrication from the cycle of toxicity of the marriage and Daphne's relationship with the church and her religion. And so I want to like tap into a little bit the emotional side of the unwinding because I feel like there's a grieving process emotionally, right? That happens when you break up with somebody. It's Mm -hmm. like, you, you lose an arm and it's still kind of there. I mean, I ain't never lost an arm, but that's what I hear. <laughs> you know, like you, you have to like, like, like phantom pain. Yeah. It's like you have to really grieve and even like something similar to a death. Right. And so I remember talking to a friend and describing to her this pain that I felt over a really tough breakup and the pain that I felt and the grief that I experienced wasn't over losing him. Like once I really got down to the heart of my feelings, it wasn't about him because by the time I was ready to go, I was good without him. Mm -hmm. The part that I had to grieve was that comfort of the relationship. Yep. The comfort, like the safety and protection it offered from the society, right? That we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier and those Mm -hmm. uh, criticisms or external expectations you feel and the comfort you get from being in that relationship, the the companionship, having somebody there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the biggest thing that I had to grieve was the idea in my mind of what we were and what we could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like a lot of times yeah. as women, we we're 10 steps ahead in our mind yeah. of where the relationship is. So if in reality, I'm dating in my mind, I'm thinking about, oh, well, what are our kids going to look like and what right. kind of house we going to have and what kind of kid, right? Like you, you already 10 steps down the line. And so by the time you break up, it can feel tragic because yeah. right like I'm not just losing him I'm losing that the two kids and the car and the picket fence that I had dreamed up for us yeah. Yeah. and so I had to let the image in my mind of what I thought we could be die right <laughs> or what right. I thought we were going to be die just as much as I had to let the actual relationship die so what like, what was right. your grief if any and like what was your grieving and emotional processing for how you removed yourself from X and the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a great point to acknowledge is that there is a loss, even in a relationship that you would say is abusive or toxic or whatever, you're still losing things. So it's important to acknowledge that there is no shame in feeling grief over those things. When you feel like the relationship was bad, it's like, why am I sad? This was a bad situation. I'm out of it. It's like, no, you are losing things. So it's important to acknowledge that. 
you know, my, my process did involve like first, yeah, getting rid of the shame, kind of recognizing like, okay, yeah, there are actual losses and looking at and examining, okay, what, what am I losing here? Like, you know, is it companionship, financial stability, the community, right? Because we had built up a lot of our community. We moved to a city, to a new city together and had built up a lot of community. And so a lot of that was being lost. So there definitely, definitely was a grieving process. Like in addition to my coach, I also had a therapist, you know, like I recommend both for people um, in these types of situations, because my therapist really helped me to identify, okay, what am I actually feeling? Um, There's this feelings wheel. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like some primary feelings in the center of like sad, um, happy, angry, but then it kind of goes out and it gives more descriptors on that. And that was really helpful in just figuring out, okay, what is my feeling? How do I process it? And like acknowledge it, let it be there and flow with it. So like my therapist really helped me with that. But another big part that I had to grieve was this idea that I would have a blessed or happy life if I follow the rules. Mm. Um, mm. Because I was a rule follower. I told you, girl, like we didn't kiss <laughs> before we got married. I had not had sex before I got married because that was the rule. So like I followed them to the T. And when that didn't result in what I thought it should have resulted in because I did the right things, I had to go through this process of reconciling, okay, so what does this really mean? What is the point of me following this rules? What is the point of me practicing this faith? And what does it mean that the people that I've practiced this faith with think that like, what does it mean that they think that it was okay for X to treat me how he did? Like, what does it mean for them to think that I should have stayed married even when they knew everything that was going on? I had to really reconcile, like, I don't think my beliefs align with this community anymore. So it's interesting because I feel like the grieving process for my marriage I mean, it started during my marriage. I could see pretty clearly during the marriage that it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I wanted. So I did a lot of grieving actually during the marriage. So I feel like once the divorce was final, there was a lot of relief that came. I mean, I had a physical, just I felt better, (laughs) um, could sleep better Mm. after that happened. And so I feel like the divorce in a lot of ways, because, you know, we didn't have kids and I was able to create that space in a lot of ways that helped me get to a really healthy place with that. Um, Because I had already, I mean, when you're in a relationship, you know, it's not what you want. Like (laughs) you have to like, you have to confront those things eventually. And so once we got divorced, I was kind of at the point where I was like, all right, I wasn't completely over it, but I wasn't in the thick of it at the divorce. I was already on the tail end, but that started this new grieving process for my faith and my spiritual life and community and what all of that would look like, because I would have anticipated having more support, right? Like I thought people in this community actually cared about me, but what I saw was that just like I was, they were concerned with following the rules and that didn't leave them space to care for me. And that also, I mean, it didn't leave me space to care for myself. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because I was making these decisions that were so harmful. So I had to reconcile that and like, man, how can I continue to practice this faith when I see that it, it causes me to put myself in these harmful and compromising positions with seemingly no way out? So, so interesting. Always so much to unpack. So we know what the status of your relationship with exes, it ended in divorce. So how did your relationship with your faith or church and has it ended? Has it felt like a divorce? Like what's, what's the current status of that relationship? Yeah. So with that particular church, the church where I was when I was married with X, that definitely felt like a divorce. The church actually has a like membership covenant that you sign and they had started the process of having people renew it every year. So when I left, I just didn't renew that. So that it really was a type of divorce that in a lot of ways felt more painful than mm. my actual divorce. Because again, y'all got to go read the blog to find out what happened. Yes, <laughs> read the blog. <laughs> um, but there was a few incidents where I was just like, I just can't get with this anymore. And I didn't know exactly in what ways my faith was changing at that time. But I just knew I was like, I need to have a faith that allows me to be able to care for myself that allows me to be able to trust decisions or to trust myself to make decisions that are best for me and to not have to endure harm and hardship to prove that I'm worthy of love and care. Mm. Those are kind of the basic things that I came away with. And so that was um, when I left that church, that was around November, 2019. I was getting ready to move for my job. So I wasn't in a hurry or in a rush to try to find another church or another community. But then COVID happened and a lot of churches were shut down. There was no pressure for anybody to go to church. Yeah. So I had a lot of space to be able to explore and just ask the hard questions and find people who were also asking hard questions. Interestingly enough, the person that wrote the book that I talked about earlier, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, he came out a few years ago and actually denounced uh, the book and Christianity, said that he's not a Christian anymore because he couldn't find ways to practice it in a way that was loving and that would care for humanity. And like that really resonated with me. And so that led me to find this deconstruction community. A lot of people coming out of churches and leaving churches, finding that they're not able to really be themselves. He in probably churches. wanted to kiss some people too. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, and that's not wrong. And that's not wrong. <laughs> he might've wanted to have a little sex too. Right. And that's not wrong. And that's not wrong. Maybe. But but and so like that is true. But usually the reasons are so much deeper. There are people that have followed the rules that have been like super devout and just kind of come up empty. And it's like, why can I not feel love and care and joy here on earth now? Listen, I feel the same way. And so we talked about, right, heartbreak extending beyond romantic relationships. And this is an example, but I have felt the same way about, again, my career path. I felt so jaded my first couple of years of practice because I thought that I was going to go to law school get the big firm job that came with the big firm check, right? I, I really wanted the check. 
<laughs> you know, and so that's what I had in my mind of the goal. And I'm going to go to this great law school. And, and I, in my mind, I was like, I did everything right. Right. And I feel yeah. like there's so many young professionals who can probably relate to this. Like you told me to go to college. So I went to college to have this good life. Right. If the, the mm -hmm. end result is to have this good life. I did that. I got a scholarship. Did that. Went to law school. Did that. Went to the best law school I could go to. Did that. Passed the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my first job within like two years of starting. And I was like, but wait, I did everything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was expected of me. And I'm still miserable. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and not only am I not, am I miserable, but I'm also not rich. <laughs> like what, what happened? Right. At least be miserable and rich. Right. And so like my reality was like, I feel like I'm in a similar position as all my friends who fooled around. Right. Because it wasn't just that I went to college. I was super hyper focused. Right. Like I was the type of student that if there was a party on Friday night, I was studying like I was in every club. I was a student athlete. I had a full athletic scholarship. I was a super intern. I interned at Target for the federal government, for GE money, the university relations department, right? Like I did everything. I was in every club. I was senior class president in my high school. I'm like, literally, society you told me that mm -hmm. if i did all of these things i would get to this great end result and that's not right like my friends who cut class my friends who partied every weekend and had a fantastic time we were all in the same place yeah and i was like well yep. what was it for like that was probably the biggest heartbreak of my life mm-hmm was realizing that there was no reward for doing everything. It was right. a sham and a scam. Girl, right? <laughs> like, and I think that there's, I don't want to say there's no value in doing the things, right? Like you build a great work ethic, you know, meet some good people, got a nice resume, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, is that what you want your life to be? A, a resume right. and some yeah. skills <laughs> you right. know what I mean right. like yeah like I said the same people who got C's in school or whatever we're in the same place now and they had a fantastic time I missed right. the fantastic time like right that, right that's what I, I did too girl I'm trying to make up for lost time now <laughs> and, and that's when I got to law school is when I f finally started to realize I'm gonna be letting life a hundred percent pass me by if I don't start living and stop doing everything that I think I should be doing or people think I should be doing. My parents almost lost it. They were like, you waited till law school to lose your mind? Really? And I'm like, but if not now, when? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, if not now, when? And even losing my mind, I still wasn't doing anything super crazy. I just wanted to experience things and experience life. And so that's something that really resonated with me about what you said and, and this unpacking the heartbreak. It's, it's so many layers to this mm -hmm. girl, but, mm -hmm. but on the other side of that, right, is this growth. There is this opportunity to do the things that you always wanted to do because 
the failure forces you, the heartbreak, the failure, whatever you want to call it, it forces you to, to do a lot of introspection and to think about it. And it's like, okay, well, what do I really want? Because doing everything everybody else told me to do didn't get me any of the things that I really wanted. And so I had to really start to get real with myself. And I think that God honestly put me on that journey because he knew I needed failure. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew I needed to to see that play out to see that to put me on the path of my my real purpose and what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be doing because I don't think I would have had the courage mm-hmm. to step mm-hmm. out if that failure hadn't happened I would have just yeah. felt like okay well doing everything right is getting me the things that I want even if I don't really like the things that I'm doing and I would have continued to do it. And so what has that process been like for you of that introspection and getting onto the other side of the failure and the heartbreak? What have you discovered about the things that you want and where your life is going? Yeah. So the first thing I had to be okay with, was understanding that it is okay for me to think about what I want. Like you said, with everybody around me defining what I should want, I never knew that it was okay for me to really think about what is it that I want. And then even thinking about that, it's like, okay, well then how do I articulate that? So getting comfortable resting in the fact that it's okay for me to want things because even that is a whole process, but then figuring out, okay, what does that look like? And what does that spill over to like it? I can talk about that in the context of relationships or the context of career. Like you were saying, there's so many things that I can and I'm allowed to want. And so I feel like that has been a lot of my process is really figuring out what do I want? Also giving myself the permission to change my mind when I want, because I want to. Boom. Right. Because it's my business. Shout out to Auntie Tab. <laughs> That can be a reason that because I want to is a legitimate reason. Amen. (laughs) You know, but I didn't always think that that was okay, that that was even okay for me to want. I had to get approval from other people, Mm. whether it was a parent, a pastor, you know, or from God. But that's like another aspect of my spiritual journey that I'm really realizing is like, if I believe that I'm created in God's image, then me doing what I want and figuring that out is bringing to the world what God brought me here for. Mm. Right. And it's bringing the peace of God that is in me out to the world for that purpose. So if I am busy dismissing that or trying to push that down all the time, I'm not really honoring God because I'm not honoring myself. I cannot honor God without honoring myself. That I love that getting to your purpose because people always are like, Cindy, like you handle heartbreak and failure so so well. And I'm like, I didn't always, but ever since I've gotten clear on my purpose, right? Before we hopped on this call, we just talked about an opportunity that I didn't receive. And I'm not broken up about it at all because I'm clear on my purpose. And I am very clear that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Even Mm -hmm. if it's uncomfortable at times, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't feel good, I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And the doors, the opportunities, the relationships that are meant for me will present themselves to me. And Mm -hmm. if they haven't, it ain't for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's crucial to get to that point after you do experience heartbreak, because what can happen is you think you're getting off the roller coaster, but you're really just getting in another car on the same roller coaster and going on the same thing. Mm. Because like we, we had talked before and you mentioned that you thought, okay, if I had married someone else, then mm. my life would have been different. But really, I don't think so, right? Because I was still the same person. I still had the same mindset, right? Like I was still seeking out these opportunities that would cause me harm because I thought it would be the most spiritual thing to do, right? Like I wasn't listening to my gut. I was dismissing my feelings and invalidating myself. So I honestly don't think I could have gotten into a better quote unquote relationship or situation while I was still in that same mindset. So like, it's super important, I think, after you experience heartbreak to, like you said, take the time to reflect. And like, I don't want folks to hear me blaming myself or like victim blaming at all because abuse is absolutely real. Like what X did was not okay. Like, I'm not excusing that. Like what the person you did, like what the person you talked about did, like that's that's not okay. I'm not excusing that. But I, it's really important to get clear and get real honest about, okay, what was attractive to me about that situation? Really? How did that fulfill me? How did that serve me at the time? Right? And really getting clear on knowing. And again, this is why I really appreciate coaching because it's like, well, if I don't want this outcome, I need to do something different, but I know I'm not going to do anything different if I still have the same mindset, if I'm approaching things in the same way. So it's like now that I'm in a space where I do think it's okay. And I actually think it's necessary now for me to ask what I want and figure that out. I'm able to see opportunities clearly that don't align with that and feel comfortable in just in rejecting that, right? Even if that comes with rejection from society or whoever else doesn't understand it because it's not for anybody else. Nobody else has to walk in my shoes. I'm the only one that's really going to experience those consequences, but also the world would experience the consequences of the loss of what I can offer if Mm. I'm not truly, you know, like operating in this space where I'm taking care of myself. Yes. 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 I love that. I love that. I love all this growth. I love all this growth. So we are coming to the end of the episode. So I just want to ask one final question. So now that you have learned all these things about yourself, you finally reorganized, reimagined really, you know, your relationship with the church and what you want potential future romantic relationships to be like what is in Daphne's future like where do we see this thing going next we need to know well honestly like my entrepreneurship journey like starting as a life coach is kind of the beginning of building this reimagined life um like I never really felt like I could own something or, you know, kind of do something how I wanted to. I always thought there would have to be some type of like external standards, like hence getting into the law, right? There's so many structures that dictate how we go about our jobs and what we do. And so me realizing like, no, I actually have gifts and skills that I can decide how I want to best bring to the world. Like, so my life coaching business is manifestation of that for sure. But then also embracing the idea that 
I can help people, which I really desire to do, but, and I don't have to be broke to do it. Like, you know, I love a coin. Listen, but I, I really had to change my mindset around money to say like, it's okay for me to want to make more money than I make. It's okay for me to want to charge a premium for the services that I offer because I know I'm bringing premium value because I'm able to use all my gifts uninhibited by any external frameworks. Mm, Get your coin, girl. So yeah, so between owning businesses, making money, I'm going to have relationships that bring joy and ease to my life and I'm going to feel comfortable saying no. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited. This reimagining really is almost a daily thing. Like I'll think of things, oh, that like that would be cool. And just really feeling like I have the freedom to pursue it, whatever it is. I love that. I feel like this podcast is everything that you just described for me, right? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like I have not broken up with the profession. (laughs) I'm still knee deep. But (laughs) sometimes you can't always break up, right? Like sometimes the shift that happens is the mental shift. And that is what changed for me is like, I don't see my profession as being who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. It's something that I do. And so I have other gifts that I want to use in order to help people and change the world. And they don't necessarily align with what I do every day from nine to five, but I still got to eat. I can't Mm -hmm. just, I I can't just be like by profession tomorrow. (laughs) Right. No, but mentally that mental shift has given me so much clarity and given me the motivation that I need to pursue the things that I do think will give me the most authentic life and the most joy. And this is that for me. So thank you so much for being a part of my journey by being a guest on my podcast and helping me to navigate my heartbreak, breakups, failures, professionally, (laughs) personally, romantically, and having that all culminate in this beautiful experience of being able to tell my story and help others share their stories and efforts to help other people. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. So before we let you go, uh, I just need you to share with everyone where we can find you and how we can work with you. Yes. So my website is goldendaff.com. That's golden, D-A-P-H.com. There you can find the blog, which has the marriage autopsy series and a few other pieces. Um, You can also find more information about my coaching services. Um, You can also follow me on Instagram at goldendaff. I share some different snippets from the blog there. And you can also find like links to my calendar to book a free consultation with me if you're interested in coaching. Like I'm looking forward to helping folks who may be um, navigating this heartbreak like we've talked about or who are trying to figure out, you know, leaving situations that are harmful and how to do that and need some support and accountability. Yes. And so thank you all out there for coming to the tea party. Hopefully y'all got y'all fill of sugar-free tea for the week. So join us next week for another great episode and tons of tea. That's of course, 100% sugar-free. 
chow. Mm-hmm. What a show. We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. I truly enjoyed you at the tea party. And we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea. With me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar Free Podcast or at Sugar Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends, and be sure to keep the tea party going, a with plenty of tea that's 100% sugar-free. <laughs>